to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want you to remain standing. Open your Bible. Go back, in the, back towards the end of your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you have an electronic Bible, you have no back to go to. Just mash whatever button you got to mash. In the South, we don't push buttons. We mash it for all the people watching online out up north and out west. We don't push buttons. We mash them. So you mash that button. Thank you so much. First uh, Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. I've titled this message, Living a Holy Life. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. You can be seated. I appreciate you reverence the word this morning. I'm going to do something a little different. Most of the time when I preach, I start at the beginning of the verses and go to the end of the verses. Today, I'm going to start at the end of the verse and work my way back up. Peter quotes an Old Testament passage, and essentially, he is quoting God. It's in verse 16, and basically, God says this, I am holy. God is holy. The God that you worship this morning is a holy God. The God that you praise this morning is a holy God. The God that you serve is a holy God. The God that lives in your heart by faith is a holy God. Now, what does that mean? The holiness of God really has two aspects. First of all, there is his uniqueness. I like to say that God is a -a one-of-a-kind God. He is a special God. He is separate from all of creation. He is different than and other than what you are and I am. He is divine. We are human. He is He is without beginning or end. We are created. The list goes on. He is unique. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? He, he alone is omnipotent or all-powerful. He alone is omniscient or knows everything. He alone is omnipresent or all places at one time. He alone is sovereign and totally in charge and in control. He alone is self-existent. He alone is perfect in his justice and fairness and equity. He's perfect in all of his ways. There's nobody else like him. That's why he's holy. The other aspect of his holiness is that of moral purity or goodness. One day, Jesus was talking to a young man who was rich. He was a ruler. It's often called the rich young ruler in the Bible. And he said, good teacher, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? For there's none good but one. And what he was saying to that young man is, if you're gonna call me good, there's only one person who's good, that's God. So are you calling me God? Are you just seeing me as a teacher? Are you seeing me as God It's got to be one or the other. There is no one who is perfectly good like God. Uh, He is untouched by evil. He's untouched by sin. God cannot be tempted to sin. God will never give in to sin and give in to temptation. God always does what is morally right. 
His very nature is pure. His being is pure. His will is pure. His words are pure. His actions are pure. Are you getting this this morning? He's unique and he's pure or good. And I tell you that because since God is holy, Peter says that you are supposed to be holy. Actually, God says it. Be holy for I am holy. And if you're curious, this is not a suggestion. It's not an option. You can't opt out of holiness. It's a command. This is a command to be obeyed. So when it's a command, you can't ignore it. If God says you're supposed to be holy, then guess what? You're supposed to be holy. And so anything else but holiness is disobedience to God. But not only is it a command to be obeyed, but it is a calling to pursue. I actually didn't put this in my notes, but I was reading my own personal reading after I had written this message, and I came to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7. I thought, wow, I should have put this in my notes. Paul said, for God has not called us to uncleanliness, but to holiness. God has not called us. He has called us to holiness. Are you getting that? It's a calling to pursue what is sometimes called sanctification. The word sanctify, sanctification, holy, holiness, they're all the same thing. It's the Greek word hagios. It all means the same thing. The work of sanctification that God does in our life is not something that happens one time. It's not like God makes you holy and boop, you're holy, that's it. I'm done. Mission accomplished. No, it is a lifetime work of the Holy Spirit in you. Every day, you should strive by the help of God to be a holy person. It is not something you can do on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. So a command to be obeyed, a calling to be pursued. All right, pastor, so God is holy. I'm supposed to be holy. Pastor, what does that look like? Well, it looks just like God, very similar. Number one, it means you are to be unique. You are to be separate from the rest of the world. You are to be other than or different than people who are not saved, who are not born again, okay? It means that you are a special one-of-a-kind person in Christ. Peter went on later to say in chapter 2, verse 9, listen to this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, watch this, a holy nation. Did you get that? A holy nation, but it gets better. Next one, a special people, his own special people. See, you are uniquely special. Why? Because you are not what you used to be before Jesus saved you. You're not, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. All things have passed away, all things have become what? New. It, you're new, you're different. You're not the same, you're radically different from those who are still bound in their sins. So like God, you should be unique you should be different. And that difference sometimes can cause friction because when you're different, people make fun of you. When you're different, people will exclude you. When you're different, that you may not get a pay raise. When you're different, you may not get your promotion. But God didn't call you to get promotions and pay raises and to be included in everything that everybody does in the group. God called you to something much higher. He called you to be like him in holiness. And then like God you are supposed to be morally pure and good. Your righteousness has been given to you as a gift from God. 
you can't make yourself righteous. God has to give it to you, and he has given you. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Your, your trespasses aren't imputed against you, but the righteousness of God has been reckoned to your account. It's like you had a, not just a zero bank account, you're in debt a million dollars. But Jesus paid the million dollar debt and then put a trillion dollars in your account. His righteousness is in your account. Okay, so when God saved you, he cleansed you of your sin, get this now, and he set you apart to himself. So you're not supposed to live in sin and be like the world and live like you were BC before Christ. You have a, you have a new lifestyle, a new way that you live. Look, let me tell it to you this way. Suppose that I go to a junkyard and I buy, I find a 1967 Ford Mustang that is beat up in disarray and I buy that 1967 piece of junk Ford Mustang and I take it home and I have it totally restored from the inside out, paint job, new wheels, everything, the interior. I mean, when I get done with it, it looks like it did the day it came off the factory and went on the showroom floor. Would that not be cool? Do you kind of get the sense that I'd like to have a brand new Ford 1967 Mustang? Thought I had one, the deal fell through, so it's still on my bucket list. Well, when I take my brand new restored 1967 Ford Mustang, do I take it back to the junkyard and park it and leave it there? No, I put it in a garage. I take it to car shows. I drive it around town and everybody that I go by with that bright red paint job or whatever it is, sees that brand new restored 1964 Mustang and they go, oh, look at that. That is so cool. You don't see that every day. You get it? Yeah. And when God saved you, he brought you out of the junkyard of sin and paid the ultimate price for you, which was the blood of his son, Jesus. And he took you home with him and he totally restored you and made you something you can never be on your own. And he doesn't want you going back into the junkyard of sin and running around with a bunch, a bunch of people and getting involved in the junkyard of this world. No, he wants you to live a higher calling and serve a higher purpose. And as you go through this life at school, at work, at home, in your neighborhood, playing golf, going to the bowling, alley, shopping at Target, whatever else, when people look at you, they say, oh, look at that. You don't see that every day. There's somebody here at work that actually tells the truth, even if it costs them. There's somebody that doesn't get bitter and angry and get, take revenge when somebody does something against them. Who does that? You don't see that every day. You are set apart for something different. You're not, you're not a common just like that Ford Mustang, you don't treat it like a common car. It's something special, unique, and that's what you are. You, don't, you need to understand, when God saved you, you became something special and good and pure. God's holy, and we're supposed to be holy. Special, unique, living right, walking in righteousness, doing the right thing. By the way, do you know you're a saint? You are. The Catholic Church loves to make saints. They got saint everybody. They even got St. Nick. I mean, they claim Santa Claus for Pete's sake. If not them, it's the Greek Orthodox. One of them do. But anyway, they got St. Nick. Well, I just came here to tell you today, you may not know this, but I got a church full of saints. That's right. I got St. Jessica sitting down here in the second row and St. Marco sitting two rows behind her. That's right. I got a church full of saints. Did you know that? 
Yeah, except I don't have to call you a saint. When God saved you, he made you a saint because in the Greek, the word saint means holy ones. Look at somebody, if you're saved, look at somebody and say, you sitting next to a saint. Go home, see if you get your wife to call you a saint whatever all week. Tell me how that works. Now, we may not call each other saint, but you are a holy one. So what does that mean? Holy words, holy thoughts, holy speech, holy actions are your new standard. I'm preaching holiness today, but hey, look at somebody say, he's preaching holiness today. Daily, listen to me. I'm challenging you. I'm teaching you this morning. Nope, nope. I'm teaching today. I'm in a teaching mode. Daily, every day, seven days a week, not just Sunday morning, every day. You can and you should live above sin, and you ought to serve the Lord in every area of your life. How's that sound? So what does a holy life look like? What does living a holy life look like? I'm working my way back up through this passage in 1 Peter. Just going to preach the word. First of all, you obey your heavenly father. You obey your heavenly father. So I'll say it like this. Holiness is characterized by a, by a life of obedience to Jesus. Did you get that? I obey God. Just as children are expected to obey their parents, you are expected to obey your heavenly father. You submit to his will and you comply with his words. I raised two boys who are now grown men, one with three and one with one on the way. Y'all didn't know that? Pastor Evan and Elizabeth, yeah, they're, they're expecting one. And so that'll be grandbaby number four. Now, when I raise my two sons, I don't know how parents are doing today because sometimes I wonder, but I expected them to do what I told them to do. And if they asked why, I said, because I said so. That's all you need. I don't owe you an explanation. My daddy didn't give me one. I'm not giving you one. You want to give your children one? Be my guest. Okay? I, I make sure my grandchildren obey. I'm a whole lot lean, more lenient on them, though, I've noticed. It must be a grandpa thing. Okay, yep. But still, I expect them to obey. And God expects us to obey. I'm just going to be, I'm just, I'm preaching right now. Barrett, the middle child. Jaron's the middle one. Now, I have this thing. I cannot stand. I, I, I like good manners. My mama raised me to have good manners. Okay? I'm a stickler about it. And I cannot stand to see somebody chew with their mouth open. Look like a daggum cow. <laughs> Chewing a cud. Oh. I've seen the most beautiful women in the world look ugly in an instant. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I can't look. And so I raised my boys at an early age to chew with their mouth closed. And I, work on, I had to work on Barrett. And I know his mom and daddy are teaching, but when he's with me, he starts slumping and chomping like a pig. I said, Barrett, chew with your mouth closed. And he did, he'll... I said, that's good. Then about a minute or two, he'd backslide. I said, Barrett, chew with your mouth. He had to show me, you know. Here's the thing. Your Papa God has given you a whole book of chew with your mouth closed to help you have good manners. That's good preaching right there. 
I'm not talking about open the door for women or say bless you when somebody sees. I'm talking about good manners on how you talk and how you walk and how you live and how you react and how you treat people. God's giving you a whole book on good manners. And he's put the good Holy Spirit inside of you to help you do it from the inside out. You just have to learn what he says and obey. That's all he asks. Just obey. Okay? Do you know the difference between a convert and a disciple? A convert gets saved because they don't want to go to hell and they want to go to heaven. A disciple gets saved because they don't want to go to hell and they want to go to heaven and because they want to follow Jesus and everything he teaches. You want to be a disciple. You want, the Bible says go and make disciples of all nations. So God has called us to follow Jesus and his teachings. So that's your calling. Whatever he says, that's the way it is. So that's the first one. You obey your heavenly father. Second, you refuse to behave like you did before you were saved. Do you remember all those evil desires you felt when you were in sin? Don't think about them too long now. You used to give in to them and you did all kinds of wicked, vile things. But how many of you are glad those days are over? Excuse me. They are supposed to be over. If they're not over, you might want to get back in the altar again and have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all about your troubles. And say, Lord, I'm sorry. Because again, when he saves you, he changes you. He sets you apart from that. So you don't, you don't behave. Holiness is characterized by a change in your choices and your behavior. Listen to me. I'm preaching straight. When you get saved, you deny fleshly evil lust. You make no provision for your flesh. You starve it rather than feed it. You tell it no because now you have the divine power inside of you to do so. Instead of asking what can I get away with? Ask, if I do this, will it be holy? Will it be pure? Will it be good? And will it please my Father? You can live a holy life if you approach, because I've seen people like, you know, let me let you in student ministry. Ask Evan this. Inevitably, every student pastor gets asked this question, what can I get away with? What can I do and still not do wrong? And usually it has to do with dating. You know, how far can I go? What can I do? It's every student pastor will get it, every generation. Listen, you don't see how close you can get to the world, but still hang on to Jesus. You turn your back on the world and say, see you later, alligator, and you just go smack into him and say, whatever you want, I'm going to live for you. So you obey your heavenly father and you refuse to behave like you did before you were saved. And the third thing is you think right thoughts. Now, Peter uses this phrase that I don't use. And I don't know how I can make it work in everyday conversation. But he tells us to gird up the loins of our minds. Try to work, use that at work tomorrow. So in Jesus' day, you've seen enough movies and videos and shows they wore long robes right and they'd wear a belt so if they were going to be active and they didn't want to trip over the robe they were going to rock walk fast or run or work they would do this they would grab down and pull it all up 
and then they would tuck it into their belt. They were girding up the loins and tucking in their belt so that now their legs were exposed, their knees, they were free to move so they could be active. They were removing what would trip them up. It's the same thing spiritually. What it says to us is remove anything from your mind because he says, gird up the loins of your mind. So remove anything from your mind that would lead you to sin. Fill it with good things. Your mind is a lot like a computer. Garbage in, garbage out, right? So Paul says, here's the input, the data that you want to put in your mind. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if anything is praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. You have to watch what you're thinking about. So the opposite would be is don't think about things that are false and lies and deceptions. Don't think about things that are crude and ignoble. Don't think about things that are unfair. Don't think about things that are dirty and impure. Don't think about things that are ugly. And I'm not talking about people. How many of you know down south you can act ugly? You ever looked at your child and said, you need to stop that now, you're acting ugly. Okay, we know what that means. It means you're acting mean. You're not acting right. Don't think about ugly things. Don't think about things that are a bad report. Negativity all the time. If you fill your mind with negativity, then it's going to have an effect on you. Don't meditate on those things. Meditate on the good things. Guard your mind. Be careful what you think about. Go back to your computer and cell phone. The last thing you want in a computer or cell phone is a virus. I remember one time my computer got a virus and a man in our church who was a computer guru, I called him, I said, I need help, Greg. He said, I'll come over, I got it. He had this software, he put it in my computer, ran it through, it wiped out the virus. Took it out, restored my computer, everything was cool. He put some, some firewalls up and safety measures in, I went on my way. The reason I tell you that is you don't want negative thoughts or bad thoughts or wicked thoughts to dwell and live in your mind. You're going to have thoughts, you need to eject them and get them out, but you don't want them to stay in your mind, okay? You've got you've to think right, all right? And when you get a negative thought in your mind, you've got to purge it. You've got to get it out. You've got to deal with it. And how you do that is through the Word and through prayer. And can I just tell you, by the way, this morning, there is power in the Word of God. Let me tell you about the cleansing power of the Word of God. When my dad was state youth director of Michigan, we lived in Detroit, Detroit, Michigan, I was there 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth grades. I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I moved to South Carolina. I was 14. 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth graders. To give you an understanding of what the culture is like up there, in Troy High School, where I went to high school, which was a massive high school, I only knew one other born-again Christian. One. Could you imagine sending your teenagers to a high school where nobody was saved, where the principals, the teachers weren't saved, that's what it was like for me. In middle school and high school, by the time I got on a bus, because I rode the bus to school, I got on the bus, sat through classes all day with my friends at lunch, rode the bus back home. I heard more profanity than I could ever convince you of in my life. Blue streaks, I'm talking about the F-bombs, anything and everything from sixth graders 
I've never heard it all day long. It was the culture. They were learning it from their parents. It was the culture. And I'm talking about all day long. I would go home at night, do my homework, play, whatever else. My habit was, mom and dad taught me this. When I went to bed, I would get in the bed. The last thing I'd do is I would grab my Bible and I would read my Bible before I'd go to bed. I'd lay it down, turn the light off, and go to sleep. And I learned something as a sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth grader. I learned that when I would read my Bible, the Holy Ghost would use it and it would cleanse my mind of all of that stuff that was embedded in there from what I had heard all day. I learned of the supernatural power of the Word of God. And I'd go to bed and have to do it all over the next day, but I'd come home that night and just before I'd go to bed, I'd grab the Bible and it would cleanse. Listen to me. We live in a dirty world. We live in a world where we hear have all kinds of things that try to lodge in our minds, but there is power in the Word of God to wash it out and cleanse you. That's why it talks about the washing of the regeneration of the Word. It'll rebirth your brain every day. To live a holy life means you must read God's book. And if you will simply put into action what you read in his word, you will find yourself living a holy life. And by the way, that means God's word has to become the standard. You know what I see people do sometimes? They read the Bible and then they say, oh, 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 I got to do that? Oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can do that or not. And this is what we're bad to do. We take the Bible and we mold it to fit our life. We change it, we modify it so that we don't have, but that's not how it works. You you take your life and you modify it to the word. You you adapt to the word. Whatever the word says, then you have to change. That's why some people struggle with tithing. You talk about tithing. They'll come up with every excuse in the world to try to explain it away when it's just, it's in there as plain as, as your face, okay? But they don't want to trust God and they'd rather change their life than they, and you know what's happening right now? I'm gonna sit down here a minute. What, what's happening right now is, is church. You got people who are loving online and all you folks are watching online. I'm not talking about you because I'm trusting you. You can't be here because you can't be here. But, but what's happening in America, and pastors, I'm talking to pastors, they said, we, I got members that they've got so accustomed to watching online, they don't want to come to church. They just want to sit in their recliner and watch it at home, and they're totally disconnected. When the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Right, all three people just said, that's right, amen. So you're just listening right now. But the point is, that's what the Bible says. And so we have to say, is there good for it? Yes, there are lots of good reasons or God wouldn't say, do this. Can you live without church? You try, but not really because whether you like it or not, you are part of the church. You can't be a Christian independently. You are already part of something and the only way you can stay alive is to stay connected to that something. Sure got quiet in here. Here's the last thing Peter said. You choose carefully what you will say and do. You choose carefully what you will say and do. This is what Peter meant when he said, be sober. Now, I know if you're like me when you read it, I thought, okay, then that means don't drink, don't get drunk, you know, be sober, don't, don't leave alcohol. On. But that's not what it means. I mean, it can mean that, but it has a deeper meaning there. When I did the study on it, it's really cool. It means to be discreet or circumspect. How many of you use the word circumspect in your life? Not me. Okay, so I had to look it up. It means something that I do. It means to be careful. To be careful. 
So when you're circumspect, you're careful. So here's what, what Peter is saying. Be careful in life what you do. Give some, give some thought to what you do. When I was a kid growing up in, in children's church, they, 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 they taught us this little song. We would say, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above, he is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. Yeah, you got to clap, right? See, Tracy knew. Be careful little ears what you hear. You see, some of you know it. There you go. You have to clap. Be careful little ears what you hear. For the Father, be careful little mouth what you say. Okay, you got it. Are you clapping with us at home? Isn't it great that in our education system here at our church, but by the way, I am in education. It just happens to be Christian education. Nobody ever thinks about that. I am the superintendent. Pastor Amy is the principal. I don't want to be the principal because nobody likes the principal. I want to be the superintendent. Okay. But I am in education. Nobody ever thinks about the fact that we're in education around here. All right. Isn't it awesome that in our Christian education, in our children's church, in our children's ministry, we have taught our kids, and maybe they still teach this, I don't know, but the point is somebody said we need to teach our kids at an early age as they grow up to be careful what they hear, be careful what they say, be careful what they look at, be careful what they do. It's in the Bible. That's what that means, be sober, just be, be careful. You know, somebody, somebody is trying to get your ear you know that, right? Every day, somebody's trying to get your ear. Somebody's trying to speak. It could, be a, it could be a podcast. It could be a blog that you read. It could be uh, television, Hollywood, society, our culture, any kind of, any form of, of media, uh, in the media, the medium. Somebody's trying to get your ear. Somebody's trying to get your mind. Somebody's trying to influence you. I think this is where it comes back to be sober. When you're not sober, it means you're under the influence or the control of alcohol. And I think Peter is saying in the whole wrap of those two words, be sober, is just watch who, inf- who you get under the influence of. But just, just watch who's controlling you and speaking into your life. Don't let the wrong people, ungodly sources, speak into your life. Be careful because if you want to live a holy life, you got to make sure that you're listening to the right people, godly people, people who, who, who you give. Per- Nobody can speak into your life unless you give them permission. Nobody can make you bitter unless you give them permission. Nobody can make you negative unless you give them permission. Circumstances cannot ruin your day unless you give them permission. And what I'm saying to you this morning is in the life of living holy, to please Jesus, to be unique and to be good, that's one of the ways you do it. You be sober and you're careful. You say, I'm not not gonna hang around that person anymore. They're pulling me down. I'm not gonna watch that TV show it's pulling me. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not. Gonna, I'm going to stop binge watching. Lee and I have started series, and we stopped them. Hey, when you got a, when you when you got a knee and you're sitting around, you watch you watch Netflix and 
Prime Video. And I have started one. Started one not too long ago, and the knee propped up. Thought, it's cool. I like sci-fi, so I started it, and it was cool. And then a transgender character was introduced. I paused it, and I got my phone out, and I pulled up the, the, the show. And I said, is there a transgender character on this show? And sure enough, there was. And I just backed out of that and said, see you later. Not watching you, because that's not something that I agree with, according to the word of God. Not going to let it influence. Listen, we need to be careful what our kids are watching. You be careful what your children are, who they're listening to. There's nothing wrong with telling friends, telling them that friend can't come over here anymore, and you are not going to their house. Oh, I figured that parents all say amen on that one. Well, what will the other parents think? Who cares? Let them raise your child. You raise yours. Okay. I'm closing with this. Musicians, come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> Told you I'm teaching today. Might preach next Sunday, but I'm teaching today. Is this okay? Y'all all right? The Lord laid this heavy on me, and I just, I'm the messenger. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> Peter says he encourages you to rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that makes me think, as it is what it's supposed to do, of the coming of the Lord. When Jesus comes back, he's going to come with grace, gifts. He's got some things he wants to give. Oh, I did a little research. You have too, because we've sung about it enough. When he comes back, when he comes for me, there is so much good, so much grace. I'm going to have immortality, never going to die again, incorruptibility, no more torn meniscuses, menisci, whatever it is. No more, no more death, no more sorrow, no more funeral homes, no more, no more cremations, no more funeral directors. It's all going to be over. Eternal life, a place in the Father's house. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, reunion with my loved ones who got there before I did. Church members that I've, that I've they've gone on before. Oh, what a reunion we're going to have. Then I'm going to get to be a priest and a king in Jesus' rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. I keep trying to teach you all that. No more corrupt politicians who all they care about is money and power. No, they'll just be us. And all we care about is what Jesus wants. Thousand years of peace and righteousness. It'll be awesome. I like the ruling with a rod of iron part. Boom. Straighten up. Just kidding. So here's what Peter's saying, and I close with this. Live holy now. Live holy today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Live holy. Resist temptation. Tell your flesh no. Deny the world access to your life to determine how you're going to march, how you're going to live. Tell the devil, get behind me. Don't listen to that liar. Avoid people because bad company corrupts character, the Bible says. So be careful who you hang out with. 
Strive by the power of the Holy Ghost to be different, to be special, even though it may cost you. It may cost you a promotion, a pay raise, etc. Like I said, strive to live, to be different. Strive by the help of the Holy Ghost to do the right thing and to make the right choices. Shun the wrong and do the right. Do it now because y'all listen to me. One of these days, it will be worth it all when Jesus comes for you. There's a verse in the Bible that says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man or woman shall see the Lord. You want to get there? How many want to go to heaven? Let me see your hands. How many want to go to heaven? How many of y'all watching online want to go to heaven? Oh yeah, I do. Put your hands down. If you want to go to heaven, listen to me, you got to be holy. Doesn't mean perfect. It even means when you fail and you mess up, you get short accounts with God like I've taught you for years and I'll keep teaching you. You keep short accounts with God. No running tabs with sin. Short accounts with God. Get it under the blood. Say, God, forgive me. And then just keep walking on that highway of holiness that's headed to heaven. I want you to stand with me all over this church and I want to ask as part of this message that everybody in this house, everybody, would you come down to the altar and I would like for us to have a powerful prayer time as collectively as a church. Everybody. Would you make your way to the altar? If we have to go down the aisles, that's fine. If you want to spread out a little bit, that's fine. But I'm asking you to come down here. And here's what I want us to do. Just keep coming. I want to give you time because this is going to be powerful. We're about to have a powerful moment, so you don't want to miss this. Just spread out. That's it. Spread that way if you would. Fill in the, fill in the altars that way. Fill it in. There you go. People are still coming. Come as close to the front as you can. Thank you. In light of what I just preached, the word of the Lord to you, I want to give you an invitation. They're, they're about to sing. I want to give a challenge to every one of you that you start praying with every ounce of passion and fire inside of you and say, Jesus, Help me to be holy every day of my life. I'm, I'm dedicating myself to holiness, God. Now listen, if you're not saved, this would be the moment for you to pray and say, Dear Jesus, I ain't holy, but please forgive me of my sins and change me and come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And he'll save you. He'll wash your sins away. If you're backslidden, this would be a good time to say, Lord, I'm sorry I left you, but I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm going to turn my back on that life and for the rest of my life, I'm going to live for you. But for the rest of us who are born again, I want you to pray with fire and say, God, help me. Listen to me. And if you've been living where you've been flirting with sin and flirting with the world and you've started, you, you've kind of been gravitating, you, you know, I don't have to, you know, come on now, you know where you've been going in a direction you shouldn't be. The Holy Spirit ought to be convicting you right now. And then you need to have a talk with the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to gravitate back this way and turn my back on that person, that thing, that place. This is a moment of seriousness. I want you to pray with every ounce of fire and passion. God, make me holy. Help me to live holy every day of my life. Come on, one, two, three, go. You don't need me anymore. Start praying all over. My God, I felt the Holy Ghost just then. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.